Welcome back to Digital Health Unplugged, the podcast in which we take a look at what is making headlines in the world of NHS IT. I'm your host, Andrea Downey, and I'm senior reporter here at Digital Health. Hello, hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Digital Health Unplugged. As always, I am your host, Andrea Downey, and I will be joined today by a great lineup of guests who are here to talk about how to get the best out of your working relationship with IT teams. A common theme that tends to be around in the world of NHS IT is that there can be a divide between clinicians on the ground and the IT teams, often because both sides are very busy working on different projects. But obviously, a good working relationship between the two is needed to really drive forward digital transformation. I think we can all agree that this is something that's often talked about between colleagues and at events, and it's certainly something that we hear a lot about here at Digital Health. So here to give us their excellent advice are Dr. Simon Eccles, the CCIO and Deputy CEO of NHSX, Kevin Percival, who is CNIO at Frimley Health NHS Foundation Trust and Vice Chair of the Digital Health CNIO Networks, and Dr. Constantin Jabarin, who is the International CCIO for All Scripts. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm sure it's going to be a really great discussion. Um, But before I start asking you the hard questions, how is everyone? Are you all enjoying your newfound freedom that we've had this week? Uh, Not not yet, but um, um, uh, my my wife has booked us dinner outside our local gastropub tomorrow evening, forecast to be eight degrees centigrade. So so, um, I'm hoping to be warmer than the food. (laughs) To be fair, that's very British. We're quite resilient. The cold doesn't put us off, does it? Um, but a common thing for my wife has booked us to go away towards the end of the week to an Airbnb in uh, the Cotswolds, where she's walking the Thames Walk and I'm working from the Airbnb. Yeah, and I'm trying to get a drink in tomorrow evening if I can with uh, some colleagues. But yeah, it's uh, it's nice to have a bit of freedom all of a sudden. Well, they all sound like lovely plans. Um, I, for one, cannot wait for a very sunny afternoon in a pub garden with a nice cold pint of beer. Um, It's a bit too cold for me to really enjoy it at the moment. Um, That's the Australian in me. I need it to warm up a little bit before I enjoy a pub garden, but I'll take it nonetheless. Um, Anyway, shall we get down to the discussions? Uh, As I said, today we're going to be talking about how to work best with IT teams. We do often hear from clinicians who are finding it hard to get IT teams to work directly with them on different projects, often because IT teams are already focused on bigger, trust-wide solutions and don't necessarily have the time. So how do we fix these problems and get both sides working well together? Um, First question I would like to ask is why you think there might be a bit of a gap between clinicians and IT teams. Um, Simon, I'm going to open that one straight up for you, if that's okay. Um, well, y- yes, I'm d- delighted, um, and and thank you. I think traditionally they they've had very very different approaches um, to problems, and um, that this would apply to to other areas of of management focus as well as IT teams. But clinicians are um, you know have uh, both very short time horizons in, in the care of the individual patient, but very long time horizons in terms of employment within organisations, um, and and uh, you know sort of l- length of planning time is, is is very long in that regard. Whereas IT teams may be looking at, at next implementation deadlines and you know b- business case processes and so on, and we we need to kind of get out of uh, of that mindset. And if you look at the 
the most successful NHS organisations in terms of how they've used IT and digital technology to improve care, they've moved IT from being a back office function reporting through estates or finance into being a critical clinical support function reporting through the medical director often. And it's totally changed the mindset. And when you do that, it works. Yes, I mean, I completely agree. And I can see how things evolve when you bring up the importance of IT to the the wider clinical community. I mean, back from experience when I was the CCIO at the Great Western trying to drive a paperless agenda, um, I think what I saw, a, a lot is lost in translation between clinicians and the IT teams. I remember sitting in a in an office when I first started with my clinical colleagues on one side of the table from ED and the IT team on the other. And they were both saying the same thing with very different language. And as a result, there was a complete loss in translation in the message. And that didn't actually bring them together, it actually pushed them further apart because they felt that the other party was trying to do something different. So, you know, even at the local level, I think there is a gap that exists and gets bigger unless you've got someone who sits there in between. And that could be the CNIO or the CCIO or somebody who plays that role who understands both languages and and is able to translate for each other and bring the groups together. Yeah, I would completely echo that, Constance, because I think that the key thing is being that translator in between. And sometimes I I talk about being sort of tribal warfare, bringing the two tribes together and with their own languages and their own ways of doing things and trying to break that down and the barriers to to get those people to work together because ultimately everybody's in this for the same game is to obviously benefit the patient um but people feel like there's a bit of a power struggle sometimes on on both sides but actually everybody's in this together and kevin i'd I'd add to that that i think that translation agent is needed from multiple different clinical disciplines this is this is absolutely important that, that you know, in, in a particularly in a hospital environment where the majority of keystrokes are made by nursing colleagues, it, where medication safety is super critical, one needs pharmacy colleagues as well as medical colleagues to help ensure both sides genuinely understand each other. Yeah, completely agree. How do you now think that clinicians and IT teams can work better together? I mean, Kevin, you mentioned the power struggle that sort of happens between those two departments. How do we sort of mitigate that and make sure that the relationship runs a bit smoother? Well, I think the, the most important thing is setting that clear expectations from the beginning um, that we're all coming in this with our own unique uh, skill sets. Um, and actually, it's the the coalition of those skills that is needed to deliver the overall uh, solution. Um, I, I, I quite often uh, will make sure that there's what we call no hippos in the room so no highly paid people's opinions uh, to make sure that um, <laughs> that's a very good are, term <laughs> to make sure that people are only sort of speaking to what they they need to know about and what they they know about the most um and that there is that shared understanding that we're going to come with this from very different views but let's actually um come to a consensus view at the end of it well, I mean, I mean to expand on that. I mean, I would say engage. I would advise clinicians to engage with the IT teams to actively go out and offer to help to work with them, 
not full-time or part-time, even with small projects. And I guess most of all, listen and try and understand what the IT teams are telling them, what they're working on, and try and get that engagement. Again, going back to them, and even now working within all scripts and working with IT guys, what I find helps is rather than talking or, or writing things down, is mapping things out in a diagram to get things across visually. And that, that seems to work. Simon here just just also um, the clarity of the of the objective we're trying to deliver here so almost all of the changes we're trying to make are either to increase the efficiency of existing processes can we make it faster to do things easier to do things require fewer people to do things or they're designed to to improve the the, the safety of care um, that, that we're delivering and when everyone aligns behind behind those objectives, it becomes much, much easier. What we've seen sometimes is a change that's proved too difficult to implement is now being implemented using the IT. So IT almost becomes the focus of the dissatisfaction with the change process. And and I think that's a that's a, a, a recipe for disaster. So unless you've got agreement on where you're trying to get to. You, you can you can manage to unite a surprisingly disparate group of clinicians in their in their loathing of a poorly implemented IT solution better than you can unite them around anything else. And that's deeply unfair on an IT department, on IT teams, uh, 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 and so on. So we're trying to um, adopt a more transformation approach, uh, a transformation methodology. Can we agree on where we're trying to get to? Can we agree on, on the processes that need change? And then to work as effectively badges off teams in order to try and describe the, the, the path to that end point. And that that seems to work um, rather, rather better, I hope. Mm. So it's not necessarily the IT team's fault that everything's not going the way you want. <laughs> feel a bit sorry for the IT teams now. Um, so I'm also glad that in your previous answers, you've all mentioned the role of CCIOs and CIOs and CNIOs. Um, and obviously, you're all in digital leadership roles. So it is part of your job to improve those working relationships and also advocate for the use of technology. Um, but I did want to sort of talk about whether or not digital transformation and that, that drive for change needs to come from everyone, or should this just be left to those who are in digital leadership roles like yourselves? I, I think it, so I, ideally, the need to uh, improve a process, and we're in the, it, it, one of the largest changes we're, we're doing NHS-wide at the moment is moving to a more digital approach to outpatients uh, and our care pathways, ideally getting to a sort of a, a shared um, care model rather than being referred to an outpatient appointment and then referred back to the GP on, a, on an ongoing basis. That sort of change, which is a huge amount of digital uh, elements to that, has got to be owned by the clinical body as a whole and by all the organisations involved. It can't be owned simply by CCIO, CIO and CNIO as, uh, as if they will somehow be able to unlock new ways of working the, the, themselves. It's, it, it's completely unfair. There will also be programmes that are much more around infrastructure where actually the, having those clinical advisors to what is essentially a purely digital project 
makes total sense, in which case, yes, it can, it can stay relatively self-contained. And I would add to that, I mean, but the CCIOs, the CNIOs, and, and those in similar clinical digital leadership roles, they're key in being able to guide that wider clinical community down that path. Um, I completely agree it should be driven by the clinicians, and I use the term clinicians loosely, meaning doctors, nurses, AHPs, from, from the areas that we're trying to initiate change with guidance coming from the, the, the clinical um, IT leadership. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I would also echo that, that. I think one of the key roles is that we're there to empower and uh, empathise for our colleagues, but also to be a catalyst for some of those people that have got these fantastic change ideas in their own areas, of then aligning that to the strategy. So very many, many times I've seen small projects fail because there just hasn't been the the resource from a, a power point of view across the organisation where the, the, the CNIOs, CIOs, CIOs can really be a catalyst for that change and actually really take them on that journey um, and actually get the, the outcome that they want, but then still adhering to some of our bigger strategic ambitions. Yeah. So it's really this, like the job of a CCIO and CNIO and CIO to sort of support clinicians in feeling like they can share their ideas and work within um, digital transformation projects. Um, I, I guess, I don't know if, if I'm saying that particularly well, I think I rambled a bit there, but it does lead me nicely onto asking how important it is that clinicians and, you know, those, those who are working on the ground in the hospitals and different organisations feel that they can share their ideas for digital transformation and can actively engage in that process. Um, so how important is that? I, I, I think it's it's vital. I, it doesn't matter which organisation I, I go to or talk to, I've yet to meet a clinician who can't give me three ways that their, their life and the patient care they provide um, could be enhanced by um, better digital technology. They, they all can. And, and they we're used to um, much easier tools in other aspects of our lives than we necessarily have in, in our professional lives at work. But in most organisations, staff don't feel empowered or don't have the mechanism of getting those ideas implemented. Um, whereas they do, strangely enough, for other change projects. You look at the highest performing digitally enabled organisations and the staff themselves know how they can get an idea to fruition. And every single NHS organisation is full of brilliant ideas if you can give them a route to be implemented. So how do we empower them to do that? Make them aware of their clinical digital leaders, who they are in the organisation. I I mean, that is one, one of the key things. I'd like to think that most clinicians are aware of the role of the CNIO, of the CCIO, of the IT lead. However, you know, even where I work as a doctor, I know that that's not the case. Um, I know very much that's not the case because most of my department does not know that one of my colleagues is the CCIO of the hospital. So it's, it's educating them to that point of call. And the other thing I would also add is, the clinicians are very good at, as I say, say criticising the IT. As you say, Simon, you know, you, you, 
every clinician will have three bad things to say about how something is slow or something doesn't work the way that they want to or the color is wrong, etc. And they're all valid points. The one advice I'd say is, that's great. Package your valid points, but try and offer solutions at the same time because you're far more likely to be heard and action taken by the IT department and the group that kind of runs it than just by going with three critical points as to why things don't work without offering potential solutions. Kevin, what's your perspective on that? So I think it's it, it's broader than that, actually, because I think it's about saying something. You don't need to come to me with a, a problem or solution, actually. If you just want to to mingle in the background and, and be part of the the program actually we can draw out your your ideas and suggestions i think it is absolutely about having that high level visibility knowing the people to talk to in the various departments and sometimes it's just about connecting people together um that have got great ideas with the right people um and i think that's a the, the key role that we take um is to communicate with our colleagues and to be visible um and to be credible leaders with our colleagues yeah. So if you know, you're know you a clinician that has a really good idea and you're struggling to work with the IT team, it's, it's about finding your digital leaders in your organisation to help, you know, to work with them to get that project going. Um, so let's also look at it from the IT team's perspective now, because I feel like we may have, I don't want to make it sound like we're bashing on IT teams because we're not, because they're very busy. There's a lot going on at the moment. Um, but, you know, it's, I wanted to ask you um, why in organizations there might be sort of a bigger broader focus uh, sort of on organization-wide IT um, projects and transformation programs rather than individual programs um, and how like clinicians can go about maybe having a conversation with a team about maybe their small project that hasn't yet had a look in. I, mean, I think one of the things is you know resources as we know are limited now whether those resources are financial or literally people within the IT department because we have to remember you know you've got your massive hospitals which have got massive teams who are able to 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 run big projects little projects etc but a lot of the smaller DJH hospitals are very limited with the resources and therefore you've got to prioritize those projects that are perceived and I use the word perceived to offer the biggest impact now we could argue who is defining that impact, whether that impact is being defined within IT or within the clinicians or a combination of the two, and I'm sure it will vary from site to site, but they will focus on what is perceived to provide the biggest impact. And invariably, from in most cases, they are the big projects that affect the whole trust. Implementing an EPMA solution will affect the whole trust. Implementing an electronic uh, observation solution will have a massive impact. Whereas, finding this really cool niche solution that works, say, for example, for the anesthetists or for the endocrinologists, et cetera, less of a focus because in some ways it only affects a much smaller piece. We haven't got time to implement that piece of project, etc. So I, I suspect that's one of the big reasons why trusts or IT departments are very focused on the bigger projects. I don't know what you guys think. Um, yes, I'm, I, it's... Absolutely, Constantine. It's part partly the the way at the moment much of our uh, digital infrastructure is is 
put together is these these big macro implementations. So as hospitals change an EPR system or we look at ICS wide implementations, these are very big programs um, that consume huge amounts of resources quite quite understandably, but also crowd out the ability of those smaller projects as you were referring to Andrea getting getting a look in necessarily. And if either when they're in steady state, so you look at organisations, Salford would be a good example, but there are plenty of others um, where Suffolk springs to mind that have got relatively mature EPR system implementations and now allow those small scale projects to really come to fruition and, and, and derive benefit. But where we hope to get to is of a much more um, API linked world in which the, the data and the application is, uh, are independent of each other and it becomes much easier for a small project to come to fruition which may well be driven by um, uh, IT from a small and medium-sized enterprise that bolts onto the side of an EPR seamlessly rather than having to go through an almighty change process of, of the big vendor EPR system itself. Some are much more responsive than others. I, I, I totally get that. But in, in a world of large macro systems, small good ideas tend to, to disappear, which I think is a pity. So how do we make those ideas a little bit more visible? Is there something that clinicians can do to sort of make their ideas stand out, I guess? But th this is, this is the, I think, the point of professionalising the clinical informaticians. Um, so the, the work that uh, Sonia and I are doing in, in um, NHSX with um, Health Education England to really to, to professionalise CNIOs uh, uh, and CCIOs as a group to be that two-way translator in organisations to work out whether the brilliant idea is best translated with a digital tool and if so how we interface that and how we prioritize it that that's what this profession is for it's been very successful in, in uh, some other countries with with uh, more mature localized digital uh, implementation and we're really keen to see that come to fruition which means that all those clinicians with the good ideas now have a focus point they now have somewhere to go and a means of that being translated into practice when those ideas are the right ones to take forward. Um, so I would completely echo what um, what uh, Simon has said there because actually those, those small scale things actually can be the big enablers sometimes. And so having that professionalism within the, the CCOs and CNOs, but also then having that conversation with our digital counterparts in the, the IT departments, of actually making sure we we have time to do some of this innovation stuff, and I think it's it's having those honest conversations with the board about having some time and resource for some of these small projects that don't necessarily have to to pass the first test, but actually a really good idea, and we can incubate because at the end of the day, everything we're doing on a large scale all started as a as a small idea, some somewhere somewhere by somebody. So. As we sort of touched a little bit on earlier um, about the importance of clinicians being involved and engaged in this process, 
Um, is there potentially an untapped knowledge from some members of the IT department who may not necessarily feel they can speak up about, you know, an idea they have to change, you know, even if it's a small change to the way systems work? Um, is there something that CCIOs and CNIOs and all of the other digital leaders can be doing to encourage members of the IT team to speak up? I would say absolutely. I think they are the experts at the technical side of their systems. And so partner them up with counterpart clinicians in the departments that can champion the use of that functionality, that they can work together and getting the IT departments involved as early as possible sometimes can save you tens and hundreds of hours of trying to chase after a solution when actually the people that have got the the solutions are actually sat in your own IT departments because they know what is available and what we've currently got. Yeah, they know the system. Um, Simon and Constantine, what are your thoughts? Well, how do we create that? And and Kevin's spot on, but how do we create the the informal conversation layer that that says, let's, let's have a chat about it, you go to the the other extreme, and it's have you raised a ticket for that, and has the ticket part of our internal process? Yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, at which point, after the second go, uh, as a clinician, you may have learned that this is this is a process that has a very low reward to effort ratio, and, and you, you you sort of give up. You create hu- just human to human conversation. That says, can we explore this and work out whether it fits into, you know, IT is going to have a roadmap. They're going to have a, a, a clear plan. It's going to be costed. It's hard work. Um, and, and, and I appreciate the extraordinary heavy lifting all of our IT departments have had to do in the last year. I mean, really fundamental change programs that were expected to take two or three years have been shoehorned in in next to no time. And if you give a place where it's those sensible, safe conversations can happen, you can make progress. But but if you tell every clinician that they've got to go through a big bureaucracy, they're going to kind of give up. Completely agree. Completely agree. It is that human touch, as you say, Simon. It, it is about talking to people and allowing people to kind of um, express their ideas freely, their suggestions, and, and seeing the action as a result of some of those suggestions come into play. That's the bit that will drive further conversations. Formal processes, are just barriers if people are tired and they haven't got the time to sit there and go and log something or make an appointment to see someone just to make something happen mm. um so i'm very aware that we're running out of time here so i want to just ask you one final question to wrap it up um if you could all give one piece of advice to help clinicians and it teams work closer together what would it be personally it's i would get clinicians from the clinician's point of view, if you want to get into this kind of stuff and work IT, is go and talk to first to other clinicians, whether it be your CCIO, CNIO, whoever you feel more comfortable approaching, and offer your help. You know, offer to get involved with projects, offer to do your little project, working with them. And for those smaller hospitals who may still not have a CNIO or CCIO, um, speak to your medical director and say, I'm keen to get involved into this kind of stuff. And the other piece of advice I tend to give doctors, I've, I've had one or two over the last few years approach me and ask me, you know, how did you get into this and how can I go and do X, Y, Z? Is talk to people who are working outside the box uh, and get advice. 
um, I, I agree with Constantine, and I think it's 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 a uh, it's a problem now, but one we're fixing that the career pathway to clinical informatics is not yet clear, and and we need to to help develop that. There is no such thing as a registrar CCIO at the moment, or or you know a a, a junior banded nurse CNIO yet, but we need to create those those roles, and for IT teams. We need to help them be part of the, the transformation process of an organisation rather than um, the, the background infrastructure process of an organisation. So my advice is, uh, so what I did when I started is I spent some time with my IT department and some of those IT departments spend time with me. And I, even when we have new starters from other industries that work in our IT department, they, they lap the opportunity up to spend time with me and my CCIO colleague. Uh, in the organisation, uh, understanding what we do on a day-to-day basis, and that really helps start building those relationships, that human touch we talked about earlier as well. That is all excellent advice, and I'm sure it's going to make a big difference for some of our listeners as well. But unfortunately, that is all we have time for on this episode. Simon, Kevin and Constantin, thank you so much for joining me on Digital Health Unplugged. It's been a really great discussion, and I hope you enjoy your plans to go to the pub later in the week. And of course, to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Please don't forget that Digital Health Unplugged is published fortnightly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and iTunes, so you can give us a follow on any of those platforms to keep up to date with what we're doing. And if you have a podcast suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can get in touch on podcast at digitalhealth.net. That's it for this episode. We'll catch you in two weeks' time. You've been listening to Digital Health Unplugged. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more episodes or to keep up to date with what Digital Health Unplugged is doing, you can give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast channel. If you want to know more about Digital Health, our news and events, you can head on over to digitalhealth.net.